In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I received an email from a parishioner just three weeks ago who said, I'm almost relieved that the Birmingham news isn't delivered every day anymore. I used to read almost every article. But you know, the older I get, the more I see. The world is just too depressing. Of course, when I look into the dark pockets of my own heart, it's not so pretty there either. The Bible is utterly clear about the intellectual darkness of the human condition. And the core of the darkness can be described in two words that we knock around a lot. Sin and death. All the darkness in the world is pumped from the gloomy deep well of sin and death. But the gloom is not final. Light for our darkness will come outside of ourselves. Mr. Worldly Wise Man will encourage us to look deep within and find the power to overcome, but there's not one trace of that in the Bible. Quite the contrary. When every human attempt to bring light has been finally deemed failure, then God brings light. And this is the essence the message which is spelled out in our reading from Isaiah that Laura Lou so beautifully read just a moment ago, where it is written, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth, thick darkness covers the people, but the Lord will arise upon you. The people had been groping in darkness. Unable to overcome the sin that dwells within. And all walking in the valley of the shadow of death. In the midst of that comes this astonishing proclamation. That there is a light that has come. And all nations, including the Gentiles, are invited to behold the light. The occurrence of the light was so certain to Isaiah that he expresses it as if it had already dawned. Arise, your light has come. What an astonishing change. And how sad that the unbelieving world does not behold the light. From the land of deep darkness speak the Bertrand Russells of the world who said, I believe that when I die, I shall rot and nothing of my ego shall survive. And unfortunately, he speaks for unbelievers all over the world as he regarded death as the means by which people are in the end extinguished as a squashed wick. If you've ever observed a squashed wick, then that is how Bertrand Russell sees your eternal destiny. But but compare that with another wonderful figure whom we know, Job. Uh, who said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that the latter day will stand upon the earth, and though this body be destroyed, yet shall I see God. And this is the same light that enables St. Paul to write, The sting of death is sin, but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we think about this light that shines in the valley of death, I refer you once again to uh, the wise men who came came from the east, who were led by a star 
to the site of nativity. From the Bible, we know very little about uh, these men. Millions of Christmas cards, of course, portray them as the three kings of Orient art. Millions uh, of cards do, and we sing the hymn, but we really don't know. Interestingly, Matthew is not so interested in who they were, but his interest is in more in the gifts that they bring. Three things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is the medal of kings. It was the custom in the, in the ancient world that no one should approach the king without bringing the gift and the, uh, the uh, uh, medal of kings was gold and that was the appropriate gift for a king. So we don't know precisely what these wise men knew about the nature of Jesus' ministry on earth. But when they brought gold, they acknowledged his right to rule, to rule as king of kings. Then there's frankincense. This is uh, aromatic uh, resin used in incense and in very fine perfumes. It was used in temple worship. It was mixed with the oil that they used to anoint the, the priest of Israel. In an ancient Israel, the high priest uh, would go in, uh, to the Holy of Holies uh, to plead for the people in the midst of their sins. And so in presenting frankincense, these wise men important to Christ as his right uh, to reign as our great high priest. And then finally, there's the myrrh. Myrrh, the principal use of myrrh was deadening pain. Remember, Jesus was offered myrrh as he hung from the cross. And it was myrrh was also used in embalming. For instance, for Jesus' burial, Nicodemus, we are told, used a hundred pounds of myrrh and alloys to anoint the body of Jesus. Now, by any human standards, it would be odd and offensive to present the infant Jesus with myrrh. But it wasn't offensive, not in this case, nor was it odd. Because we know that Jesus came into the world to die a sacrificial death. But look. Look at this amazing prophecy in Isaiah. The last verse of our reading in the bulletin. Which we are invited to look ahead to the second coming of the Messiah. At the very end of this present age. Listen carefully. A multitude of camels shall cover you. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba shall come. And they will bring gold and frankincense. And they will proclaim the praise of the Lord. Do you see the power of that? When the Lord comes again, a scene will be enacted that is similar to the coming of the wise men to Bethlehem. There will be gold. There will be frankincense. But there's no myrrh. There's no myrrh. There's no death. He lives forever. The resurrection of Jesus, he became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Arise. But of course, there's that other great enemy of the human race, sin. If death is not the end, that means we'll stand before God. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. The victory over death would be little consolation if the gospel didn't also offer hope in the midst of our the stain of sin, actual guilt. Someone gave me for Christmas uh, a bottle of hand soap. And the label said, wash away your sins. Kills sin on contact. (laughs) For liars... Cheaters and wrongdoers, perfect gift for me, reduces guilt by 98.9%. Well, 
the truth of the matter is 98.9% won't do. We need to be squeaky clean. Moreover, to quote Isaiah again, the 6th, 4th chapter, we have all become like one who is unclean and our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. But the, off, but the gospel offers the hope that we have. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fault I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I keep waiting on uh, Charles or Fred to cut it in right there. Well, that's the message this morning. We really don't need the daily news to tell us that darkness covers the world, do we? We all walk in the valley of the shadow of death. And the dark clouds of sin has arisen between God and us. So, are you groping in the darkness? I mean, why, why are so many Christians more controlled by the darkness in our lives than the glory of the light of the gospel? We're not talking about the power of positive thinking here. We're talking about a fact. The light shines. I'm not interested in giving you my opinion. It's the preacher's job to proclaim what is objective truth. And I wish I could stand up here and proclaim that the darkness is gone. Uh, it's not gone. Not yet. I don't know what you're going through right now. But what I can proclaim, I can proclaim without reservation, and that is that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and the darkness has not overcome it, cannot overcome it, and will not overcome it. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, arise. God's victory over sin and death is like a blazing sun. May God draw elected hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake. Amen.